Jesus, the God of this world, loves you. He forgives you. And you mean the world to Him. And He is risen. Oh, I caught you sleeping. We'll, we'll do it again. How's that sound? Jesus, the God of this world, loves you. He forgives you. And you mean the world to Him. And He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. At the beginning of the service, I asked you to share with people around you three life, or one life-changing experience that, that you've had, and I'm wondering what they were. We've all had them, right? We've all had life-changing experiences. Maybe it was the day that you began a new school. You went to a new grade school, and that was a life-changing day because that day you met your best friend, and you've been friends with them ever since. Maybe it was the day, the day that uh, you left for college. All of a sudden you had this taste of independence and you knew nothing was going to be the same because going back to mom and dad's house, that just wasn't an option anymore because you loved your independence. Maybe it was the day that you bought your first house. <coughs> Exciting, it was great, and now you had a really huge mortgage and a huge responsibility and it was going to be life-changing. Maybe it was the day you got married. When you, when you went to the ceremony as one and you came back as two, maybe it was the day that you, you held your baby for the first time and you looked down at your baby and you knew this, this life is never going to be the same. Maybe it was the day you, you moved to Austin. You packed up. You left all the, everything that you knew, how you grew up. You left your friends. You left some family. And you moved to Austin to make a new life and everything was changed. Because when you got here, you tasted delicious Texas barbecue and you knew that there, there was no going back. When we think of life-changing experiences, a, a lot of times we think of, of the good things, right? We think of those good life-changing experiences. But not every life-changing experience is a good thing. Maybe a, a life-changing experience for you was when you, you showed up to work one day and you found out that you got laid off. Life-changing experience. Now what? Where do, where do you go? What do you do? Maybe it was a life-changing experience when you went to the doctors and you got the bad news. It was a, a bad diagnosis. Now what? What was the future going to hold? It's a life-changing experience. And I'm sure that we've all experienced the, the life-changing event of having to bury a loved one. These are just as much life-changing experiences as you, as you go home that day knowing that life will never be the same. All of those are life-changing experiences, and yet what we talk about today on Easter is even more life-changing. We get to talk about how Jesus rose from the dead. And it is the most life-changing event that has ever happened for your life, for my life, for everybody's life. And yet I wonder if, if I come to your house later today or on Monday or Tuesday or if I show up at your work on Thursday, uh, it, if I would see that your life has been changed by this. I wonder if we actually let this day change the way we live or if it's just all knowledge-based. Because today is life-changing. And it was life-changing for those very first disciples, those very first women who went to the tomb on Easter morning. You talk about a life-changing experience. 
Think of the 48 hours that these people had. Longer than that. Let's talk about since Thursday night. Uh, this was a time period when, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before he died, before the Jewish religious festival called Passover. And Jesus came in, and there was immediate tension between him and the Jewish religious leaders called the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees, they were actually leading people away from God. Jesus, being God himself, knows what God wants, right? And, and it wasn't what the Pharisees were teaching people. And so there was tension between Jesus and the Pharisees over the people's hearts. And as the week went on, the tension rose and it rose and it rose until finally late Thursday night into Friday, Jesus gets arrested. And he gets arrested at midnight. And by Friday morning at 9 a.m., he's on the cross dying. Think about that. He gets arrested at midnight, and he goes on trial, and he gets condemned, and he gets executed within nine hours of being arrested. Now imagine being one of his disciples. You go to bed Thursday night, and everything is fine. Yes, there's tension, but everything is normal. Everything is fine. And then you wake up to hear, oh no, Jesus is, has been arrested. Jesus is actually in trial, and he just got condemned to die. You talk about a life-changing experience. And then, he gets crucified on the cross at 9. By 3 o'clock, he's dead. So in less than 24 hours, your friend, your Lord, your master, your mentor is killed. They saw where Jesus' body was laid, and they went home completely shocked. What just happened? Because it was the Jewish Sabbath, which meant that no work could be done on, on that day, they couldn't prepare the body for burial. And so they, they went home and they rested for the day. And it's early Sunday morning. And the women want to get out to the tomb as early as possible to prepare that body for its final resting place. This is where we pick up in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember, how, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they had told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You talk about a life-changing experience. They witnessed Jesus die. If you have ever seen a dead body, you know when there's life and when there's not. And there was no life in Jesus. And on top of that, the Romans... Uh, they were good at a lot of things, and what they were really good at were killing people. 
and they were really good at crucifying people, and they knew when somebody was dead, and they wouldn't let you off the cross until you were dead. Jesus was dead. They saw His wounds. They saw the blows. They saw it all. They saw Jesus' lifeless body get taken off of the cross and put in a tomb for its final resting place. Death is final. That's what the women knew. And so what did they do? They prepared the spices. They got everything ready. And quick, on Sunday morning, they got up and they went to the tomb to go prepare the body. And yet when they got to the tomb, what did they see? The stone rolled away. They look in the tomb, Jesus' body, gone. What is going on? Who broke in? Who would take Jesus' body? Who would do something like this? And just then, two angels showed up. And they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Don't you remember what He told you while in Galilee? This had to happen. And then they remembered His words. Why did the women show up that morning with spices and everything to prepare a dead body? It's because they didn't remember what Jesus said, right? Jesus' words didn't change their life. Instead, they got caught up in the circumstances around them and they went about life as normal. Life wasn't changed. In the next couple days, later this afternoon, we're going to get on with our life. We're going to watch TV, we're going to play outside, we're going to fish, we're going to go to work. Uh, We're going to get back to the normal way of doing things. And when we do, if our life isn't changed from today, why is it? Why will we go back to the way of doing things when we continue to try to experience everything that we possibly can in this life to the point where our schedules are so packed that we're extremely tired? Why do we try to to fit everything in, to travel and experience everything that we can at the expense of church, at the expense of our Jesus time? Why do we jam our kids' schedule so jam-packed so that they experience everything that they can, so that they can participate in everything at the expense of Jesus? It's because we don't remember these words, right? We're living for today. We're living for this one life. We're living at like we really only have one life to live. Why is it that we'll continue to live filled with anxiety, worry, fear? Why is it that we will get so overwhelmed with life that we'll have no self-control over our emotions? Why is it that we live with low self-esteem? Why, why is it that we live with guilt and shame? It's because we don't remember these words, right? We're not letting Jesus' words that He is risen, He is risen indeed, change our lives. We forget that we have a God who is alive. We forget that we have a God who won us forgiveness. We forget that we have a God who's in control and who has conquered the grave. What kind of power must Jesus have? When you think about it, what kind of power must He have that He was dead 
and he came back to life. Not resuscitated, he came back to life after being dead. This is the power that Jesus has. And he said, I am risen. I am risen indeed. Here I am. This, I, I've conquered the grave. Why do you still fear? Why do you still live in guilt? Why do you still live with a low self-esteem when the God of this world approves of you? Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. Sorry, I, I messed you up. I messed you up. There's some people who mouth He's risen indeed. So let's say it. He is risen. He is risen. Yes, He is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus has risen from the dead and it's changed your life in three ways. And I want to tell you those. That this will be our take home today. Number one, Jesus' resurrection, Easter morning, has changed death. As you look around you and you're sitting around people who you may know, who you may not know, there's one thing that you have in common with all of them and with me, and that is that we're all going to die. That's true. And yet here's how Easter has changed death. Jesus has risen. He has risen from the grave. And what that means is you and I will raise, rise from the dead as well because Jesus promises that He will raise us back to life. Our God has control over your greatest enemy. The, the thing in your life that you can't control most, death, Jesus has control over. And He says, I will raise you back to life to live with me forever in heaven. Easter completely changes death. Number two, Easter completely changes life. Did you notice what the angel said? Why do you search for the living among the dead? You have a God who isn't dead. You have a God who is alive. You have a God who is completely interested in your life, who has so much stock in your life that He came, He lived, He died, and He rose again for you. You have a God who is alive. There's a story of a guy named Martin Luther who was a pastor in the 1500s. He was normally a joyful guy and, and was cheerful, but sometimes he'd get really down and depressed and sad. And one of those times was when the Catholic Church was trying to kill him. His own friends and pastors were bickering and arguing, and it seemed like there was absolutely no hope. And so one day Martin Luther comes home and his wife Katie is dressed in all black and her kids are and the kids are all dressed in black and they're sitting around in a circle and, and Luther walks in and he knows that can only mean one thing. And so he asks, Who died? And Katie Luther said, Well, my husband, didn't you hear? God died. And he said, God's not dead. What are you talking about? And she said, Well, Martin. I know if God's, God was alive, you wouldn't be carrying on like this because you'd have a living God to trust in. God, Jesus, is alive. I don't know what struggles you're going through. I don't know what's overwhelming you. I don't know what is weighing on you. But here's what I do know. I know that you have a living God who has so much interest in your life, who is invested in your life. He's invested His own body in your life by living and dying for you. And He now is in control of everything. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you comfort. He wants to give you joy. And He wants to give you hope. And that's exactly what He's given you because He's risen from the dead. Easter changes death. It changes life. And it changes death to life. There's one more thing I want to talk about with the angels. 
And it's when they said to to the women, don't you remember what he told you while in Galilee? That the Son of Man will be handed over to sinful people, be crucified, and rise again on the third day. Why did that have to happen? It's because you and I are sinful people, right? It's because we haven't lived up to God's holy expectations. We haven't even lived up to our expectations, if you think about it. We have expectations of ourselves, of how we we talk, how we act, how we treat people, and we haven't even lived up to our own expectations. How in the world could we believe that we lived up to a holy, perfect God's expectations? And the Bible says that the wages of these sins, the wages of our actions, is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God, the Bible says, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus had to be handed over. He had to die and He had to rise again. Why? Because forgiveness needed to be won. Sin needed to be dealt with and that's exactly what He did. Because of Him, your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with God. No longer do you have to wonder, what do I have to do to get in a good relationship with God? What nine-step program do I need to follow? doesn't happen. You are at peace with God because of Jesus. This is how Easter has completely changed your life. You no longer have to live in guilt. You no longer have to live in shame. You no longer have to live for people's love and approval because you have the approval of God Himself. God looks at you and He sees His holy, perfect child because of Jesus. Easter has changed life because you have a God who is living, who is so interested in your life, who is controlling all things for your life and is bringing you to His side in heaven. And Easter has completely changed death because Jesus rose. You will too. And how do we let this message change our life? It's by remembering that He is risen. Oh! I thought maybe by the end we got it. I put you to sleep. It's by remembering Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed! Hallelujah!